0: Amen. Amen. If you want to brush up on your German, you talk to Christian. Wherever Christian oh, he's over here. <laughs> uh, you met Christian already, I know. Well, nice to have you here. And nice to have everybody here. It's good to see uh, these travelers back with us. And They make a, may look and act a little frazzled, so understand and give them some space. Give them uh, understanding. Yeah, it's great to have you here. So let's let's open in a word of prayer and then we're going to look at these familiar verses in, in Psalm chapter 1. I, Daniel called me just this afternoon. He said, you know, uh, we have a little change of plans and, and so you have to be patient with me then too because I took a quick look at this and, and hope it works in terms of allowing the Holy Spirit to speak. But let's pray. Father, I do thank You that We have Christians gathered here for the purpose of honoring you. Thank you for Patrick and Christelle and their desire to go to Germany as missionaries. And I ask for your blessing upon that. Lord, I thank you for giving safety to our mission team as they traveled back from Wyoming. I pray that you would continue to provide safety and good traveling to pastor and and other parts of the team who may not be back yet. We just praise You for Your love for us. Thank You, Lord, that You know us and You guide us and that You can use us. I thank You for this church, Lord. I ask that You would bless it, bless in the Bible school program, bless in the other meeting tonight and the other part of the church. I pray that You would be honored. pray that we would lift You up and please You. We ask for Your direction in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Psalm chapter 1. Our degree of success in life, and we start off by talking about success in Psalm chapter 1, which is something everyone is interested in. But our degree of success can be measured by the degree of obedience. Now, we have to be careful with that statement because we have to define success. Success is defined as God's approval. The world's definition of success is gaining uh, uh, uh dollars becoming wealthy becoming well known uh is 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 owning many things that's the definition of success in the world but god's definition of success is receiving his approval we cannot neglect the light of god's word and expect to follow the light in our journey toward success as we look at psalm chapter 1 We see the path that is defined for us here. and These are meant to be words of encouragement, verses of encouragement. And as I say, you've heard many challenges given on Psalm chapter 1. You've memorized these verses, as I have. And yet, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And I like to envision this as we describe verses 1, 2, and 3 as a journey a Christian may be taking. And God is saying, I want you to start here, and I want you to end up over here. And God says, but the journey that I have defined for you, the path of the map for you to follow, is first you go here, and then here, and then over here, and finally you'll end up over here. And the Christian is standing here, and he's looking at the goal of reaching this, and he's looking at the path God is describing for him, and he's saying, that looks difficult. In fact, his first view of that path, it looks mighty steep. There are steep roads going down and up, and... Parts of that look very rocky and there are curves and there may be the cliffs around one of those curves that fall deep. And it's scary to him and it looks very, very hard. And he looks and he says, I can take the path to the goal this way and it's much shorter. It doesn't look as difficult at all. And I think this is what the psalmist is describing here. And let's look at that and kind of take these words and, and see what the meaning of each word is. Blessed. Now, I know that often we say blessed and there's no, nothing wrong with that. In fact, I most often, when I memorize this and when I quote this, I most often say blessed. But I looked it up in the dictionary. The dictionary just says it's blessed. So, I'll just try to say blessed and that's okay. Either way is okay. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. This word blessed, what does the word mean? Well, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew meaning, it means genuine and true inner joy. A Blessed is having inner joy that basically can only come from God. In the New Testament, the Greek meaning, there are several meanings of it, but in a similar kind of context, it is receiving God's approval. It is an object of a good word. If someone speaks well of you, if someone honors you because of your testimony for the Lord, then you are a blessed person. And that's what this word means. Blessed is the man. We ought not tie to this gain of money or fame or anything that the world wishes for because this is God's approval. Remember, Blessed according to the definition of God. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. The degree of our blessing can be measured by true obedience. Now, true obedience is something that Satan would like to twist. Satan would like to say, okay, on your journey, instead of taking this very difficult path, and instead of going around these curves and up this steep pathway and and instead of taking this very dangerous route, why don't you take this route? And the only difference here is that you may have to compromise what true obedience is. A Christian sometimes in our world, we, we begin to take the biblical definition of obedience or of righteousness. And we begin to compromise. We begin to compromise in ways of Christian living. Our associations... Things we do in our home, things we look at, or or places we go, or music we listen to, or people we associate with. And Christians right away say, well, we're to reach the sinners we must associate with unsaved. And that's so right. We need to. But to make them our personal and best friends so that they influence our righteous life becomes a hindrance to us. And it, uh, and, it, and it does not allow God to receive the glory he wishes us to have. So we have to be very careful about that. Obedience must most, is most often reflected in our behavior. Uh, you can tell an obedient Christian by the way they act, the things they do. And, this, and, and our behavior is a result of our faith. All right, now let's, where does our faith come from? That would be the next question. Faith is the result, and I have three things down here, and faith is the result of many things. But our faith is the result, for one thing, of our true worship. God says, if you want to worship me, worship me in spirit and in truth. As we study God's Word, who defines what is spirit and what is truth? The Holy Spirit does. As we, as we read the Word of God... As we allow the Holy Spirit to challenge us, we begin to separate ourselves from the world. We begin to attach ourselves to God's righteousness. And we begin to understand what spirit and truth is. Number two, faith is a result of applying God's word to our life. And there's no end to that. There is no end. Um, God is interested in every detail of our life. There is no difference between the secular and the sacred with God. What we're doing, we say, I'm working on the job and this has nothing to do with my faith. It has nothing to do with my Christianity. And that's so wrong. It has everything to do with your faith. It has everything to do with our Christianity. There is no difference between the secular and the sacred to God. All things are sacred. That's why when we're doing this on the job, we do our very best. That's why when we're doing this, we're doing it to exalt God. That's why we are honest. That's why we're faithful. We're dependable. People can count on us because we serve Jesus Christ. And so that is a living faith. The third thing is our connection in prayer. Actually, I have four things. I said three. The connection in prayer. You know, the if you think about people that you know or you have known who you say have been people of great faith. What is one quality those people have had? And I would say one thing, they were prayer, people of prayer. They were prayer warriors, we say. They were people who dedicated major time, uh, major emotion, major diligence into their prayer life. And that's so important. And I know for me, it's an area of my life, I, I pray every day, I I get down on my knees and I ask God for things, but, oh, I need to improve my prayer life so much. I admit that. And, and I've known people who have had such just tremendous prayer lives, and their faith is so vivid. You can see it in their lives. And then the fourth thing that faith is an example of, and that is our practice of serving during the fiery trials. Peter talks about fiery trials. I just want to read these verses. First Peter, you can look them up or just listen to me, read them. First Peter chapter four, I have it right here, verses 12 through 14. It says, "Blessed or excuse me, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed. Ye, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. God is saying here, as we look, begin looking at this, success, the blessing that comes from God, may be through a fiery trial. It's not something that's easy. It may be very difficult. In fact, some of the greatest blessings come from the hardest trials. Then do we look forward to those trials? No. But we give our hearts and lives to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, you work this out and I'm going to depend upon you. As you read through the book of Psalms, you'll see so many verses that are verses of decision. I will. I will do this, the psalmist says. I will depend upon God. I will go to Him in prayer. And and that's the determination that we have to have. The counsel of the ungodly. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. The counsel of the ungodly is listening to the wrong crowds. It's the wrong atmosphere. It's the wrong motivation. It's simple worldliness. Um, we're, we're walking toward this goal and we're taking this shortcut, but we have to go through a neighborhood that we ought not be going through. It's, it's Satan's neighborhood. It's a neighborhood where, where we're tempted. Places we ought not go. People that we ought not associate with as a lifestyle. And we begin looking at these people and they say, we're not, they're not so bad. What they're doing is not so bad after all. Many of these people do claim to be Christians too, and 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 we begin compromising God's truth for for our for 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 our will to reach the goal on a shorter path. Um, Walking not in the counsel of the ungodly is simply passing means we're just passing through. It's a following a course in life, making a minimum effort. But not accepting the purpose and plan that God has for us. Trying to take the easy path. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. First, we see the the Christian as he begins to take the wrong path and he's walking, he's going toward his goal, he's moving. And now, suddenly, we see that he stops, he stands, stands in the way of sinners. This is the part of his life where he begins to join the sinners. He voluntarily stops his trek. He ends his pursuit of walking toward his goal. You know, this is a, this is a, a casualty in a Christian life. Do we lose our salvation if we do that? No, we don't. God promises eternal security. And God is with us at all times. But we lose our purpose. We lose the blessing that God wants to give to us. And then we see, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. This is, uh, the word here, sitteth, simply means to permanently dwell. We live there. Uh, it means the uh, same connotation is marry or join up with. We become part of that group that God does not want us to become part of. And it becomes the way of sinners. Uh, it is a, it is a it is a, a place that is basically out of bounds. It's a lifestyle that we ought not accept. And then go on to verse two. And I'm gonna I'm gonna make this short. I'm gonna I don't know. I didn't look at my watch to know when I started, but we'll end in plenty of time to pray and and still conclude by eight o'clock. Verse two. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in His law doth He meditate day and night. The word delight there means to honor God. It means to honor God through duty and, and to honor God through our inner delight, our soul, our worship of Him. Um, if we serve God through duty, that is good. If we serve God because we are delighting in Him, that is golden. That is the perfect thing. That's what we wish for. Uh, delight determines, our delight in our life determines what we do in life. Even, even, uh, on a a secular sense in terms of if you're interested in athletics or if you're interested in mechanics or if you're interested in whatever area, health things, and you begin to study that and you begin to pursue goals in those areas, there's nothing wrong with that if God is part of your life. But those things you delight in determines where you will go. So God says, you need to delight in His Word. You need to delight in My way. Let's read verse 2. But His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law doth He meditate day and night. It's a verse indicating that there is no end to our search for the Lord. We look for Him in the morning. We read the Scripture. We meditate on the Scripture through the day. We think, we pray, we pray. We we quote verses. We worship the Lord throughout the day, and when, whatever we are doing, we must incorporate God's word into our life. Um, I love, the verse. I want to go to First Corinthians chapter six verse fifteen, because it uses the word addicted, and you're familiar with this verse. It talks about Christians who were addicted to serving the Lord in the ministry. First Corinthians chapter sixteen. Verse 15 says this, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanas that it is the firstfruits of Achaia that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. They have voluntarily given control of what they think about, what they do, what their plans are for tomorrow to the Lord because they are addicted to honoring God. That's where we need to be. That's where I need to be. That's where I wish to be. Addicted to honoring the Lord in my life. And that is exactly what this means. And we talk about delighting ourselves in God's Word. We become addicted to Him. So we can do nothing else. And it's it's a goal we each ought to have. To honor God through duty is great. To honor God through our delight is golden. This word delight... Determines our direction. The word meditate means that we we focus. It means that it is something as we... Like an like a, illustration often used is a cow chews a cud. They, the cows have four stomachs and they burp up one of those balls that the, their stomach has developed and they chew that grass again and again. And it's, that's exactly what meditation is all about. For us, we... We saturate our lives with God's Word. And our thoughts and our our inner soul, our mind is so saturated with the Word of God, these thoughts come back to us and we meditate on that. We chew on it through the day. And, And we allow God's Word to direct us. But His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law doth He meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth His fruit in His season." His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does, doeth shall, shall prosper. A tree here in verse 3 is an illustration of stability. Trees are stable. They have deep roots. Many trees have as many roots underground as you see foliage above ground. They're strong. They can withstand great winds. God says, I want you to be like a tree. Regardless of what Satan throws at us, Regardless of the challenges, regardless of the fiery trials, God says, I've planted you with a plan. You must have the plan. You must have the purpose. And our spiritual success just doesn't happen by chance. As we go our way and and we can't say, okay, Lord, I'm going to just, I'll have my devotions, but I'm not going to be diligent in seeking your face. I'm not going to be given. I'm not going to be addicted to God's Word. Then you are allowing your spiritual life. To go by chance, we must experience the fruit; those things that honor God through the Holy Spirit. The leaf that does not wither is an illustration of perseverance. We persevere in Him. We keep on keeping on. We continue the work of the believer, and God says, "I will make you prosper through the Holy Spirit." And lives are changed. We give. We think of the disciples and the changes there. Um, the treasure of true happiness and true success is only located on the island of holiness. What are some of the byproducts of what we're talking about here? Well, some of the byproducts are as God challenges us with his word are the, the peace and the joy that he gives to us. He gives us confidence that he is in control um, he lets us know that we are important to Him. The verse in First Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Isn't that a great thing that God cares for you? I, I am memorizing right now, and I don't know why I have not memorized this chapter in the past. My wife couldn't believe I've never memorized it. But Psalm 100, and I know a lot of you have already memorized it, and I've got it, but I still need to work on it a little bit more. But in Psalm chapter 100, as I was thinking about it today, uh, even, even prior before, prior to Daniel's call about giving this little testimony, was, I was thinking of, uh, the scripture saying that we are his people and we are the sheep of his pasture in Psalm 100. And then I thought of John chapter 10, Jesus was speaking. And Jesus there, and Jesus, Jesus said, you're my sheep. Jesus said, I take my sheep into my fold. He said, and I know my sheep. I know their names. Christ knows our names. He knows more than our names. He knows everything about us. He knows the number of hairs on our head. He knows all about us. And it's a treasure to him. It's a treasure to him. Um, we have certain things that we value uh, in in. Our home and and we have little treasure boxes, you know, notes that people write us or things we save. and, And God has these treasures of us. The difference is God never forgets. God remembers for eternity. God will remember the time when someone offended you and you had opportunity to, quote, put that person in their place. Give them a piece of your mind or tell them what you really thought. And you were about to do it when maybe the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart and that went to your mind and you considered. And instead of saying that thing, you said something kind and encouraging to that person. That is that is the kind of treasure that God stores away. And he remembers he remembers you and what you do. And those little treasures. And those will be eternal keepsakes for God. Much more important than our keepsakes. So we, we can never forget that God is interested in us so infinitely, so personally. So it, it, it was a blessing to me and a challenge to me to continue on for the Lord. And, and to, to seek God's blessing and seek the set, success that God wishes to me, for me to have. And the success is honoring Him Honoring the Lord.